Hey everyone, you're listening to episode 24 of the Finish Line Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today we got to sit down with Andy and Mel Yoon, who have quite a dramatic story to share. Hey guys, welcome to the Finish Line Podcast. My name is Keelan Hobelman, and I'm here with my co-host and brother, Cody. We have a fantastic story to share with you today. Andy Yoon, a dentist in Florida, and his wife, Mel, started off chasing the high life, but found themselves living a life of stress and anxiety with a dental practice that was struggling. But when they started praying a dangerous prayer, God answered in a dramatic way. After taking a leap of faith, their life has been absolutely flipped upside down as they wade deeper and deeper into the joy of generosity. Every part of their life today is filled with purpose and mission, from how Andy runs his dental practice to how they raise their kids, and it was clearly evident in their conversation with us today. Before we get started, I just want to remind you about our Finish Line Sprints. If you've been getting a lot out of this podcast and are looking for a way to take it to the next level, then you should consider starting or joining a sprint. A sprint is a guided program for small groups meant to lead you through the overarching biblical themes related to wealth and money while allowing you to explore the restored freedom and purpose that comes with choosing a financial finish line. The Sprint Guide is completely free and available on our website at finishlinepledge.com slash sprint. Sprints are also completely self-led, so you don't need a trained leader or someone who's been through the program before. All you need are a couple friends to get started. So check it out and get a group together today. And with that, let's get started. All right, we're here today with Andy and Mel Yoon. Thanks guys so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having us. So let's jump right in. Can you guys give us a little bit of background about who you are and a little bit about your story? Sure. I'll start. I'm Mel and uh, Andy and I have been married for 16 years now. We met in college and got married shortly thereafter, went to grad school up in Philadelphia and then moved back home to start our family. We have four kids. Our oldest is 11, our youngest is 6, and we have one of them in the middle there that's adopted from Korea. And uh, Andy, you can jump in. And Yeah, it's, it's funny because we live in the same hometown, and our parents actually live half a mile from each other, which is pretty cool. But we went to uh, different high schools. We didn't really meet to college. Went to uh, grad school. I'm a dentist. Mel is a city planner, and we uh, made Florida our home. So I know you guys have a deep passion for generosity and a very interesting story for how you kind of got there. I'm hoping you could tell us a little bit about what things were like as you were starting out in your careers and kind of how you got to where you are today. So before I asked Mel to marry me, uh, I remember telling her I would buy her a Ferrari. And uh, I have a contract. I don't know if she still has it. Hopefully she doesn't. Because you're not getting that Ferrari. I do. Oh, you do. Okay. So, uh, but I also I, have a minivan. Yes, so she does a minivan. Yes. Nothing wrong with minivans. Well, no, no this minivan's special. Up until like two weeks ago, you can only access the, you can only exit the door from the passenger side by uh, rolling down the window. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. But uh, so I promised her this Ferrari and. She knew that we wanted to do something great with our lives. Just we wanted to make a lot of money. It was as simple as that. 
We wanted to live the American dream. Uh, we wanted to work hard. We wanted to live on the ocean. Everything you could possibly think with the American dream. So once we graduated, we were still on that track. And I remember in uh, 2014, five years in after graduating dental school, our office like tanked and we were really stressed out. Didn't know what to do. And I remember coming home every day, just really angry and getting upset. And our family life was terrible, super stressed out. And just remember uh, praying and just asking God what he wanted us to do. And we read the book, which I, I find a lot of people that are on the same, um, I guess, uh, when it comes to giving, they, they read the book Radical. And so we read the book Radical and Crazy Love. Both those books changed our lives like completely. And I remember driving to work one day and being completely in prayer and asking God, what do you want us to do with our lives, with our careers and so forth? And I remember praying and just being completely wrong. But I said, God, whatever you want us to do, I'm going to be completely vulnerable. Just Tell me what to do. And uh, I tell everyone it's a really scary place to be because he can give you any answer. You can say, sell everything, move to Africa, leave your family, whatever it may be. I don't know what it is. Being crazy talk here. So the only answer I got back was with the question that God asked me was, Andy, what have you done with what I've given you? And I felt silent and I said nothing. Really, I just took care of my kids and that was it, my family. And so uh, at that moment, I thought, you know what, if I really, really am taking this seriously, I should probably give more to others than I take. The problem with that is this was a prayer that I had. It wasn't a prayer that Mel had. And we're a couple and we make decisions together. And so I called Mel and just kind of anxiously waiting to kind of hear what she's going to say. And Mel, what did you say? I said, yes. (laughs) It was uh, it was funny because. Like Andy said, we read the book Radical, and I always say I feel like a book like that kind of hits you wherever your idol is. And for us, it was definitely money. I mean, we were just BMWs, buying things. All I mean, just not to say there's something wrong with a BMW. Maybe other people drive them, and that's fine. But it wasn't, we did not have them for the right reason. We had them for all the status reasons. And that's what we were after. And I feel like that book just really hit us where we were idolizing money. And we both were on that same wavelength. And so when Andy called, I immediately said yes, because I actually was thinking the same thing, that we needed to give more than we received. Wow, that's really cool to hear how you, in the depth of that stress, started to really seek God's wisdom. And it seems like he came through and he he led you both to this conclusion. So once you reached that conclusion, what did you do next? So we uh, said 51% would go towards others, uh, various uh, ministries and so forth. The crazy part about it is you think when you make a commitment like that, you think, oh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to tank. But I was saying like in 2014, when it was really, really low. You're thinking, how can you give when it's really that low? You could barely make your student loan payments and so forth. The exact opposite happened. Uh, the office just exploded. Two renovations later, we like quadrupled in our staff size. Just this is God's economy. This is how he does things. He just makes things miraculous. So it's just taught us 
you know, you just step out in faith. It doesn't make any sense to us, but there's got to be a lot of room for faith. So that's what it looked like afterwards. We weren't expecting this, but God provided. Yeah, it's interesting. There have been quite a number of people who have shared their stories on this podcast who have said that exact same kind of sentiment or some version of that same story where the minute I stepped out in kind of an extreme leap of faith, God just completely turned everything in a direction that I never thought would have even been possible. And I mean, multiple people have said, now, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. They feel like they need to <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. put qualifiers yeah. in. It's exactly yeah. what Don't I was thinking. Don't go into it that way, you know? Not yeah. prosperity yeah. gospel. Yeah. But, but God, <laughs> he seems to uh, just encourage and allow that kind of a step of faith to really flourish. And, to, you know, if you step out and you say, I really want to impact your kingdom and to be a mm -hmm. part of what you're doing, then he's like, great, let's, let's go, let's do it. And so, I mean, clearly that's what he's done in your guys' lives. Mm -hmm. I want to take a step back for mm -hmm. a second. Uh, as you guys, I mean, it sounds like Radical and Crazy Love both played a pretty big impact. And we have heard those books over and over on this podcast. Crazy Love was a, a big one for me. And um, I'm interested in if you guys remember any kind of specific points that changed in your heart or, you know, specific mindset that changed as you were reading through that or in the time after, you know, what God led you through in that time. I think specifically in reading Radical, one of the things that stood out was the rich young ruler, which we all know about, you know, about how he was asked to give everything. And it really makes you think, well, if God asked me to give everything, am I willing to, or am I going to walk away disappointed and sad? And I think that also we went to a journey of generosity. And that was one of my big takeaways from that event as well was, am I willing to give everything? If God wanted me to sell our house, would I sell our house? If uh, just anything. And I came to the conclusion I would which I think, just like Andy said, is kind of a scary place to be because you're like, oh gosh, what if he does ask for that? But just that would be one of the big takeaways is is willingness. You know, where is your heart at? And I feel like when your heart is is really just in it to win it and you're willing to give everything up, that's the place that, that we're meant to be. So we took a trip to uh, Egypt recently, and one of the things I got from there, and I was thinking about the book Radical as well, God puts uh, certain responsibilities with certain individuals. And I was just thinking in Egypt, because a lot of people there, they want to desperately want to escape and make it to the United States and do something great here. And then I realized we didn't do anything to be born in the United States, but on the flip side, uh, there's a great responsibility with that. So even if we were to sell everything, go to Africa or wherever for missionaries, I, I think we're we're losing sight of a kind of our purpose here in, in the United States. Like we have this community, we have jobs, we have professions and so forth that can help other countries. And that's that's one of the things I got from from Radical is he put this specific task on our hearts in our laps, and uh, we want to make something with it. We don't want to ignore it. It wasn't just a blessing for us. It was a blessing for others, hopefully. Yeah, and I also think, you know, the, the Great Commission, it applies to everyone. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It's 
it's not a certain subsection of people that are meant to do that. We all do it in unique and different ways. And for us, we realized that our calling truly was to, yes, go and see and help and do, but mostly to help fund others and indigenous pastors and people on the ground. Because I think that God has really uniquely gifted us to be able to do that and accomplish that. And we didn't deserve it. Yeah, I've noticed that so much good can come from reading scripture, but there's a lot that comes also from stepping into that and actually obeying. And we know that you all are involved with Never Thirst, and Matt Letourneau made the connection between us. And I'm curious to hear what happened when you started to obey that scripture, the Great Commission, that command and to work towards that end with your resources, with your time, with your money? So our personalities were very pragmatic, uh, very practical. And so we thought, uh, what's the most important thing on earth? Well, it would be air, right, to breathe, but that's not a limitation. It, it's water, right? And so Mel was listening to a sermon with David Platt, and he brought up Never Thirst. So we dug a little deeper and found out Never Thirst. It was an amazing uh, organization. And we realized it wasn't just a water ministry. They also included a gospel presence. And those are the two most important things on this side of earth and in the next life is eternity and and water. And so we partnered with them and it's been uh, life changing. Yeah, as you guys have kind of stepped into this whole process, and it sounds like you guys stepped in kind of an extreme way uh, abruptly. I'm curious for what you have learned along the way as far as how to give and how to do that effectively, how to be good stewards of of that money that you have chosen to give away. Obviously, you guys are involved in Never Thirst, but I'm interested if there are kind of things you have learned along the way in that process. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot to learn in this process. I think that before we were involved with Never Thirst, we always found it important to bring the gospel to the nations. But like Andy was saying, clean water is just one of the most basic necessities of life. And I think one of the big takeaways that we've seen over the past few years is kind of the whole, well, you can bring the gospel, but if the people are starving, you also need to bring a sandwich, you know? And so I think that that's been one of the the biggest things that we've seen is it's the gospel, yes, but you have to meet the physical needs as well, because ultimately, if you can't get through to them because they're starving or they're walking eight hours a day for water and they're not there to hear what you have to say or their children are dying from from diarrhea, I mean, things that we just can't even fathom in the United States, they can't hear the most important message, which is their eternity and the gospel without first meeting those very real physical needs. So I think that that's been a big change for us is that when we're going into work with an organization, we want to make sure that we're doing both. We're meeting physical needs and we're meeting the spiritual need. And Never Thirst is just so unique in the way that they do it because they're really empowering indigenous pastors to come to people, bring water get entry into a community, and then present the gospel. And it's really just changing lives in an incredible way. You know, it's really cool as well as parents is our kids are kind of seeing 
what we're doing. So when we're uh, involved with Never Thirst or Radical or whatever ministry is, uh, they see it. And to them, it's not just money. It's when we bring in money, it's it's going to something bigger than than us. And so I remember growing up, uh, I was raised pretty spoiled growing up. And I remember just getting like irate if I didn't get a toy or if I didn't get this car or whatever it may be. And our kids are the exact opposite. I remember when Brendan met when they visited us a while back. Ethan, it was on his heart to, he just opened up his wallet and he gave like half his money from his wallet. And I'm like, that's pretty cool for a 10 year old to like, to do this. I didn't ask him. I didn't even know about it. Someone just told me later on that he did that. And I thought it was pretty cool that the next generation is, is doing this as well. So it's not just us learning, it's, it's our kids. Yeah, on that line, I'm curious if you guys have found anything helpful to specifically trying to teach generosity to your kids or get them involved in any kind of ways. I think what you're, I mean, exactly what you're saying, leading by example and just leading lives of generosity is, is the number one way to do that. But, and you know, having four kids, have you found anything else helpful along the way and kind of guiding them on that end? Well, we are the crazy people that will roll into meetings with all four of our children and have them sit and ask questions. <laughs> so yeah. you you can verify with Matt. The first time we met met him, we drove actually not just our family, Andy's brother, his wife, their three kids, and his parents. We brought all of them to Birmingham, Alabama, and all of us sat in the meeting. So I think that Yes, living it out in front of them is important, but we don't we don't stop there. We want them to meet the people who are making all of this happen. We want them to meet all the ministry partners. We talk to them about everything, start to finish. Um, there's really no limitation to what we are willing to share with them when it comes to how we view money or how we're giving and the ins and outs of everything that we do. That's so cool to hear that that you are involving people around you and family into that desire to be more generous and to obey God's will for your lives. And I'd love to hear about what it's like to invite others into that. Well, when it comes to family, we just force them. (laughs) (laughs) They make people terrible about themselves. I'm I'm kidding. No, that's a joke, of course. No, yeah. You know, with everyone that we know, it's kind of like what we do with our kids. We just talk about all these ministries to our friends, to our family. We've done wells at Never Thirst in other people's names to help bring them in and bring them through the process as well. So we just try, we try to be intentional with our relationships and to expose those around us to the different ministries that we are working with and that we feel confident with. With my practice, it, it took me a long time to, um, I guess, share the story. I think the hardest thing for me was I didn't want to come off as bragging. But at the same time, one of my pastors said, uh, Andy, you need to share this story because other people, they can get behind the office. They can get behind these ministries. They need to know about these ministries. And so for us, we've posted a lot of pictures and videos on Facebook. Uh, it's really cool is our our staff, uh, every Tuesday, they wear a uh, Never Thirst shirt or a, a ministry shirt, uh, a Tim Tebow Foundation shirt. 
and it's cool that the that the staff kind of get around the the real cause of our office and our why, so to speak. Yeah, I would say that for the the first half of this journey that we've been on since uh, 2014, 2015, we were very, very, very quiet about what mm-hmm. um, what we had committed to and what we were doing. It's the whole, you know, don't let your, what is it, your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So I think that we really kept it very quiet, but Andy really took the lead in sharing the story and being open with it. And I think it's been to the benefit of those around us and hopefully to other people that just kind of hear about it. Yeah, that's a very interesting point that you bring up. And it's particularly interesting for this podcast where we have tons of conversations with people to share their stories and what God is doing in and through their lives. I'm curious, as you guys have grown in this area, what you would say to somebody who might already be you know, really trying to take some big steps of faith out and, and living that out in some ways, but are kind of where you guys were, were starting and not wanting to share that for you know the same kind of reasons you shared. What would you say to them as far as how to go about doing that well, about kind of sharing their passion for generosity and how God has opened that door up in their lives and and for the work that he's drawing them into while also, you know, wanting to avoid, I guess, oversharing or doing that in a not as tactful way? It's funny. We've just told people, read the book Radical, read uh, Crazy Love, just (laughs) easy stuff like that. That's, That's a pretty easy ask. That That's how we just, rope them in. Yes, we get them in. <laughs> and then just just lots. I mean, it just it's really simple. Just prayer, you know, just vulnerable prayer. And that's that's really it. And let God speak. Let him do his thing. Uh, he'll find ways. I think also that when you're sharing, it's I think it's definitely about the the position of your heart. I think that there is, there's always two ways that you could go about it. Uh, I hope that when we share that it's coming from a place of humility, that we haven't done anything to, we couldn't have thought this up on our own. You know, mm-hmm. this was, this is all from God. This is all his mm-hmm. doing. He is the one in control. He's, he's the captain of the ship. And so I just hope that that's how it comes across and that, um, yeah. when we do share that, it does come up from a humble place, a place of humility, and that it's not about us. It it never has been. It never will be. It's always about God and his plan and furthering the gospel to the nations. And so when sharing, I think as long as it's coming from from that place, then hopefully it comes across the way that, you know, we desire it to. Yeah, we made that joke last week. We're like, God, why us of all people? We're just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're just like normal people normal stupid people kind of a little weird but (laughs) very weird (laughs) well i've noticed a couple trends as we've been meeting more and more people who are just totally sold out on generosity and the the trends are people are reading a lot of really great books and they're also surrounding themselves with really great people who inspire them and that's been true for myself, and I'm sure for Keelan would, would say the same thing. And I'd love to hear about the relationships in your life and how they transformed and, and people that God brought into your life to walk alongside you in this journey. So one of the things that's been kind of resounding in the last couple of weeks is uh, you are the average of the five people you hang around with. And so mm-hmm. for Mel, it's four little kids. <laughs> 
Sorry, Mel. Totally. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but so, so the influences you're, you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's absolutely true. Iron sharpens iron. And I'm a quiet person, typically. I, I try to kind of, I'm actually introverted. But again, reading a lot of books, kind of seeing what the, the best pastors, professionals, and so forth. So outside of just our relationships, I'm constantly listening to books and so forth. But our, our friends are amazing. All just God-loving, uh, God-fearing, faithful uh, men and women. And then we try to meet some of our heroes that we look up to, like David Platt. Mel wants to uh, meet Francis Chan really bad. I'm just so. waiting for him to call me on the phone. Francis, <laughs> yeah. if you're out there, yeah. call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, I would say that, yeah, we do. We try to surround ourselves with people who will push us harder, push us further, help us expand what we even think we can do. I will say that, um, you know, Brandon and Matt at Never Thirst have been just amazing to to have walked the past few years with, um, they're incredible guys and they really, they spur us on and they push us further and they're just really great. And then personally, we just have some really, really wonderful friends here that are so encouraging, always willing to pray for us whenever we need it. And we have a great network. It's taken us a while to get this great network. I would say the better part of five to 10 years, but we've really got a great group of friends and a great support around us and great families that are in agreement with what we're doing too. We have a, an incredibly generous pastor as well. And sometimes he makes us look silly. Like <laughs> he's crazy. He's very generous. He's off the wall. That's awesome. I know you guys at some point went through a journey of generosity with generous giving, and we've heard generous giving come up multiple times through the course of uh, of this podcast. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that experience for you guys and maybe even explain what that's like for somebody who's never been through a, a jog before. So yeah, the experience at a jog is pretty incredible. It, it's really a personal journey. Uh, it's prompted, you know, they there's a host and they take you through the whole process and it really just helps you dig deeper into your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? How can you be doing it better? Are you holding on to anything? And our jog, we had the privilege of being in Memphis, Tennessee with Alan Barnhart and his level of generosity is just second to none. I mean, he is incredible. And, and the story of how he's led his family and his, his wife and their children is just, inc it's just incredible to hear. It really makes you expand and think, what else can I be doing? For him, it was, there was a cap, you know, he put a cap on his, lifestyle on his salary. And I think that was one of my big takeaways is, you know, how much is enough? You know, at what point can you just give the rest away instead of it being a percentage? Can you just give the rest? You know, what does that look like for us? And I think that's something that we're still working out, but it definitely made me think, I guess like you guys are doing, you know, what is the finish line? What is, what is the end game here? And, and when is enough enough? And, you know, how can we be more generous and give even more than, you know, 50% or 51%? 
So I was wondering, since you guys have gone through such a transformative process, for somebody who's listening, who is hearing your story, is hearing some of the other stories that people have shared, and wants to be a part of that, wants to take that first step like you guys did, which was a pretty big step for you guys, and wants to kind of step into the story, but is still feeling a lot of hesitation or just not sure how to get started or or how to make that initial leap. I'm wondering what you guys would say to somebody in that kind of position. I would definitely, I mean, the first step is just praying every day and just asking that specific question, God, what do you want me to do with my life, with my career, uh, with my family, with my finances, and just kind of meditating on that for a very long time. And God will answer. That's that's probably the first thing I would do. I would also say take small steps. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. huge to get started. I think that, you know, generosity is kind of like a snowball. And as it's going down, it's just picking up more and more and more snow and getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, you don't have to go out and do something enormous to get started. Just start small. Start, you know, in your local church and give your time and start feeling that out. Uh, There's just a lot of avenues. It's not always necessarily monetary, but just getting plugged in, getting involved. And like Andy said, just listening to God's voice. And I think that it would just become more and more clear and, and your generosity will grow. So like Mel said, the small steps, because uh, it could be a huge mountain obstacle when you think about it, like I'm going to make this huge life commitment, but the small things, it, it just gathers. You get this little initial feeling, oh, this is amazing. I'm, I'm helping others and like, I want to do it again. And it gets addicted after a while. So like Mel and I were talking about when we, when we do give, when we give whatever amount of money, something small, it feels great knowing that someone else is going to benefit from this. And it is contagious and it is addictive. I was talking with someone the other day who was talking about finish lines broadly and said the numbers themselves are not meant to be legalistic, but to to guide you. And the establishment of something like a finish line is really symptomatic of a changed heart, of a transformed heart. It's something that results from that. And I was hoping you guys could share a little bit about selecting 51%. How did you come to that number? Was that difficult? Did it make things simpler or easier? And uh, how does that change the way you think about earning money? Well, initially, when we decided 51% and things were really bad, we're like, oh, we got to really work hard now <laughs> to make things, we're just worried about these glues in the house and so forth. But the whole thing was we wanted to give more than we were taking. So it can't be 50-50. It had to be 51 at least. 50-50 would have been easier. Yes. <laughs> it really would have <laughs> For been the easier. accounting purposes. But <laughs> we, just made a, we just made a goal this week that we would actually uh, up it to 60. And just like Mel said, uh, we don't know what the plan is in the future, what our finish line is. But I think being part of this podcast is going to help us think about it more. And to also speak to the changed heart, Cody, again, 60, it's just, it's a number. It's not a legalistic thing. It's, I think that these are just guidelines to help our finite brains think about things. Cause if it's 60, if it's more, that's great. We, we aren't doing it 
to be legalistic. We're doing it just to kind of keep a framework so that we don't get off track, I guess would be the the best way to put it, because the world's draw is real and they want you to give your money to everything except advancing the gospel. And so I think for us, it just kind of keeps us on track with what we're committed to and what we really think is the best use of our finances. Another heart transformation, uh, just kind of piggybacking off of Mel, just talking about when we made this initial decision. We viewed things, material things, completely differently now versus back then. Like right now, we, we do realize that there's really no end to wanting. There's going to be a new car. There's going to be a new TV. There's going to be a new phone every single year. And that's one big thing that's kind of changed is uh, we realize that. And so that desire for more stuff is is not as there anymore, which is pretty great. Yeah, that's such an interesting point that both of you made. And it really brings a lot of light to the, the passage where Jesus is, is telling his disciples that his yoke is easy and his burden is light and asking us to take his yoke. And it's funny how in one frame of mind, tithing 10% to meet the rule or something like that can feel like such a heavy burden, but giving away 30 or 40 or 50% can feel so light at the, at the same time, you know, when, and it's all about the kind of the orientation of your heart in that. And I love that you guys were talking about the, the number not really being the important part at all. And, and it really just helping to kind of guide you in what you already want to do. Cause that's been so true for me too. And, and there's been brief periods where I've gotten caught up in the fine detail rules and the legalism of it. And every time that's happened, fortunately, my wife, Allie, gets us back on track and, you know, gets back to the real heart of it. And that's where all the joy is. And, and when it becomes like a, a big burden and a weight that you're carrying, I feel like it's not the way that Christ is calling us to, to follow him. But it, when it is, when it feels light and easy and when you just desire to be more and more a part of, and you desire to earn more just so you, you can be able to give more and be even greater part of, of what God is doing. That's, where our hearts are aligned with what, what God is doing. and That's interesting you're talking about. Allie's your wife? Mm-hmm. Because Mel does the same thing. She guides me when I go astray, and she kind of brings it back to earth. Thank God for our wife. Yeah, God definitely knew what he was doing when he paired us all together. Yes, he, yes, he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> so I love the way that you both talked about how you changed your view of things and uh, money itself. But how did setting this 51% goal, or maybe soon to be 60%, how does that change the way that you approach your careers and earning more money in the future? So it's funny, uh, you you mentioned this. Our biggest dream right now, this has been kind of scary for me, is to open up more offices. But these next offices, not for us, they would be purely, I mean, if it's possible, it'd be nonprofit in nature. So that's kind of motivated us. And we're not getting anything from it. But again, if we had the opportunity to do it, I think it's one of the things that we should kind of take. If God gave us that opportunity or skill, we want to make the most of it. Yeah. And I think uh, just 
piggybacking off of what Andy said, that heart change of wanting to make the most of it, not necessarily for ourselves or for bigger, better, nicer for us here. It's more we want to we want to make the most of every opportunity that we have with every skill that God has given us with all the training that we have just for his glory, for his kingdom. And so if that means opening more offices that do operate in some sort of nonprofit way, then that's what we're going to do. And we're we're starting to take those steps to expand more and to grow more so that we can give more. Yeah, that's an amazing idea. And I certainly hope that God blesses those efforts because I would love to talk to you guys in another year or two and hear the whole second half of your story. <laughs> hope we have a lot of good things to tell you, Keelan. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we've covered a lot as we're getting towards the end here. I did want to make sure we get to our manager minute. And just a reminder for everyone listening at the end of every episode, we like to take a second, you know, we talk all this time about us being managers of God's wealth. And so we like to give a suggestion for something that you can be doing with any kind of excess money that you've set aside or money that God has given you to be used for things beyond yourself. So when we have guests on the show, we like to give them a chance to share ideas of their own. So Andy and Mel, do you have any suggestions for our listeners? As a business owner, so again, back in 2014, it was there's a lot of drama in the office. And the women in my office were just constantly fighting. Uh, it was just so much drama. And so one of the things we've done in the last few years is we're trying to ask them, you know, what is their why? And a lot of it answers that receivers, like their family and so forth. But we try to make a giving as part of a why, too. So they know that when they're working hard every day, it's not just for our own paychecks, their paychecks. There's something bigger. Uh, than ourselves. And so, like I said before, they'll wear a Never Thirst t-shirt or a ministry t-shirt. And I'll ask them, you know, what's on your heart? What do you want to, if you had a million dollars, where would you give money to? And so recently, uh, one of my office managers, her name is Kirsten. She said, uh, Dr. Yoon, my biggest thing right now this on my heart is uh, human trafficking. And so I said, well, that's great. Let's spend this month and whatever we make for this month, a certain uh, number or a certain percentage, let's just donate it to your your cause. And so at the end of the month, uh, she was really happy. She was able to raise so much money and it makes her want to do her job so much better. And it's been a huge transformative process in our office from a business owner's uh, perspective. And uh, everyone at the office now, they're, they're happy to work and uh, when things get tough, uh, they realize, hey, it's it's okay because there's something bigger we're working for. If I could add, since I don't manage an office, I manage a house. Um, <laughs> I uh, I feel like one of the biggest resources that God has given to me isn't just financial, and I alluded to it earlier, just with involving our children and everything that we're doing. I think that pouring into the next generation, into our kids, and helping them grow in their ability to be generous and their love of the gospel is so important. And, uh, you know, Andy and I always say we're just two people and two people can do a lot, but we've cut four little people who are going to marry. And that's eight people now that can do so much more. And, you know, you start thinking about it generationally and the legacy that you can leave and just thinking about how it can be 
exponentially more than what we could ever imagine for the two of us just by pouring into them and letting them take the lead at some point. Yeah, I really love both those suggestions. Thank you so much for for sharing those. I, I recently came across this phrase of stewarding your story well. And so thank you guys so much for being here and for being good stewards of your story. It's been a pleasure having you both. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Thanks for all you're doing out there, too. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line or anything else from the show today, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. Send us any questions you have, and we'll answer them in one of our future episodes. As always, if you want to find any of our references or links from today's show, you can find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode 24. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time. 